Let me give you just a little bit of a review of what took place here this week. We had the privilege to uh, lead Bible school, and God blessed the weather, God blessed the workers, and God blessed these kids in a great way. We averaged over 70 kids a night, and by the grace of God, six of those kids made decisions for Christ. We've already talked to two of their parents, and they're ready to be baptized. We praise God for that. We were also able to bless the truck stop ministry with an offering of over $600. And uh, we praise God for that, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful blessing. You know, Brian mentioned in his prayer that the Southern Baptist Convention starts this week in Nashville. There was a time when I was your pastor, many of you remember it, that I did not miss a Southern Baptist Convention. To tell you the truth, over the past few years, uh, things have changed in the convention a little bit, which made it less appealing for me to want to go sit in business uh, without being able to go to the pastor's conference. Tonight, uh, first of all, if you go to your app on your phone, you can go to the SBC annual meeting and you can download and, and, and view it live. Uh, the actual convention starts Tuesday and Wednesday, so there's worship tonight and tomorrow. Uh, they're having a send worship service. Tony Evans is preaching, and uh, Michael W. Smith and uh, Crowder are doing the worship. It would be worth it just to drive down to be part of that big service. But my prayer is it sets the stage for a great convention. Because if you're basing the Southern Baptist Convention right now on what people are saying on social media or Twitter, you're looking at one of the most dysfunctional groups you've ever seen in your life. Folks, that does not set the sail for the Southern Baptist Convention. And my prayer is that we will elect a new uh, president, that you'll pray for Ronnie Floyd. Keep in mind, Ronnie Floyd is scheduled to preach here August 22nd for our 70th church anniversary celebration. So this week is important in the life of our denomination. And, in, uh, and I want you to pray daily, okay, and support it. I have the privilege to be with the youth this week at Centerville, or Cedarville as one of the high school boys chaperones. A long, a do not clap for that, okay? Uh, the, uh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great time. But here's what I'm realizing after Bible school this week. I am not 35 anymore. And, uh, and we have all slept well this week. So thank you for your prayers. And we're praying for a life-changing time. I think there are over 15. How many are going tomorrow? 16 tomorrow for senior high. And then one week from tomorrow, the junior high with about that same number will go. So we need to pray for Kasia. Uh, she was very active in Bible school. The leaders of Bible school did a great job. And now jump on a bus to go to youth camp. Here's the title of that song, What Was I Thinking? Okay. Hey, have you ever bought something only to get it home to discover or maybe make the statement that this is absolutely useless? This is worthless. Well, it happened to me this week. Now, every married couple will understand what I'm about to say. It amazes me that the razors in my bathroom don't stay sharp I buy them to shave my face I only shave once how does this happen so the other day I was at the store 
saw a razor. Did, did you guys get that? Do you understand what I'm saying as a married husband? So the other day at the store, I saw I needed razors, and I saw this state-of-the-art one with 10 blades. Got to have it. And the price wasn't too bad. Got to have it. Got it. Got it home. Shaved yesterday morning. Men, you know that feeling when you shave and you get done and it doesn't even feel like you've shaved? And I thought, man, my legs don't, I mean, my face, my face doesn't even feel like it's been shaved. And I fooled around with it and I thought, this is worthless. Only to discover that I'd put the blade on upside down. Oh boy, things are not always as they appear because God uses worthless things. And I'm going to introduce you to one in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6. I don't know why this story is, is special to me, but this is one of those Bible stories that I've never been able to get out of my mind and one that I've preached often in revival or somewhere else as well. Chapter 6, verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha. God's hand is already on the ministry of Elisha. Those that were worried of what's going to happen when Elijah leaves. Boy, these sons of the prophets, they see God's hand on Elisha. And, this, and these sons of, of the prophets these that are being mentored as prophets in ministry, they say to Elisha, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. They've outgrown their space. As a matter of fact, I believe they're seeing what God is doing and there's a revival amongst them and they're growing in ranks. We've outgrown our space. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So Elisha answered and said, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell in the water, and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick. You ready? A worthless stick. And he threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Folks, I'm reminded this morning in Scripture that God is in the business of doing the supernatural. Amen. Now, how many of you believe by an uplifted hand, Carl Brooks, that an iron axe head will float? I believe they can if God so desires. Amen? Now, would you say, according to Scripture, this is supernatural this morning? Amen. Amen. Okay, here's another one for you. How many of you believe that a man can be swallowed by a whale? Amen. 
Bible says so. Did anybody look at any headlines in the news this week? A diver swallowed by a whale. <laughs> I mean, if that was you this morning, would you not be hitting the ground running like Jonah did preaching somewhere? And, and, and he said, he know, he, when he realized where he was at, and, and I asked, I said, did he have scuba gear on? Could he breathe and that kind of stuff? And, and uh, folks, that's just, that's just God reaffirming that the supernatural things in life can happen when he so chooses for it to happen. But God uses the worthless things in life for his glory. The sons of prophets had outgrown their space Elisha's ministry was expanding. I believe there were more that wanted to be involved in it. And it's a reminder for us today that God can use a prophet with a hot heart. He can use a deacon. He can use a Sunday school teacher with a hot heart. He can use a, a, a vacation Bible school worker with a hot heart to love kids. And I praise God for it. This morning in First Connection, uh, all four shared their testimony and Cindy Essex shared her testimony of giving her heart to Jesus at North Dayton Baptist Church when Margaret Williams her Sunday school teacher shared the gospel and invited her to come to Christ right in Sunday school God uses hot-hearted things and don't ever underestimate what can happen in the life of a church when God gets a hold of a pastor's heart when he gets hold of a leader's heart a staff member's heart he wants to use you for his glory here's what I loved about this vacation Bible school man it was all hands on deck it was the staff of this church being involved with you joined together to do whatever it took and what a blessing it was for me to be part of that and to see. Now, they had come to a decision that led to a request. It makes sense. Elisha, we need a bigger place. We need a bigger place. Let us go to the Jordan. Let every man take a beam from it and let us build a place. And Elisha says, go. Now, something was asked of them. If you're going to go, it has to involve movement. Now, it's my understanding, based on, uh, on uh, how we responded, that there might be a cicada in this building. Okay? My prayer is that it'll get a hold of one of these lights and it will be gone before long. <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you something. These cicadas remind me of the devil. I mean, sometimes you don't even know they're there, and that freaks you out when you look back and there's one looking at you right here. There's another, there's another kind that's aggressive that, like, darts at you. <laughs> we were mowing the other day here only to discover from Danny Michael that he heard that the sound of a mower, somehow the frequency draws them. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying these cicadas are a little bit like the devil. The devil knows your frequency. 
and he'll, he'll, he'll latch onto your back and walk with you as far as, as he can without you even knowing it. And sometimes he'll hit you right in the middle of the glasses or the windshield at full force. Now, why I'm telling you a cicada story, I just said that in case something's flying around. Okay, folks, listen to me. The devil is the master of distraction. And here's what I saw this week in the life of the church. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. Why do you say that, Brother Greg? Because we hosted a large funeral yesterday, ministered to a family, and in essence flipped the church in a night, getting it ready to go. And when that family came in yesterday morning, they were greeted with a clean church that looked like it was ready to receive them and ministry could continue. Why? All hands on deck. And that's the picture I get of the sons of the prophets in this passage. Michael Katz said this, when the ship has a hole in it, it's not time for critics. It's time for all hands on deck to do everything possible to seal the leak. If the ship goes down, let it not be said that it sank under the weight of critics who pointed fingers but never plugged one leak. All hands on deck. And folks, when I look at the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm, I mean, you all know I'm faithful to the Southern Baptist Convention. As a matter of fact, somebody said in our church years ago, the back of Brother Greg's underclothes say SBC. But make no mistake, it's not perfect. And this is a very important week, not only in the convention's life, in our life as a church as we go forward. You know what we need? All hands on deck. Over 47,000 Southern Baptist churches. You'd be shocked at how many do not cooperate at all by giving to the cooperative program. Of the over 700 and something churches, Joe, in Ohio, uh, at one point, over 200 of those churches didn't give anything to the cooperative program. You know what we need? All hands on deck. And I'm a firm believer if you claim to be part of a Southern Baptist church that makes you part of the Southern Baptist Convention, you should participate. You should participate. Elisha was training a bunch of young people that were participating. And here's what they're learning. Nothing worth doing for the Lord's ever easy. And nothing doing for the Lord is ever cheap. You got to pay for it. So here's where we begin the story. Look at verse 1, chapter 6, and I'll, I'll give you a few lessons and we'll go home. Here's the first. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell Elisha says go here's the first thing I want you to uh, remember and take home with you today we can always do more together than we can by ourselves. we can always do more for the Lord together amen you know what I love, love about the church those of you that weren't able to serve in Bible school you knew we were in Bible school you're praying for Bible school you're praying for the workers. 
you're praying that one of those sweet kids may give their life to Christ. I had the privilege this week to serve with missionary Marty, Bill Parsons. If you've never experienced that, you need to. It should be on your bucket list. We had a great time, didn't we, Bill? Man, these kids ate it up. We, at the end of the night, the youngest group that we had were uh, the... At the end of the night, our last group was the youngest group. Right, Barb? And they would come in there, and they, they were not interested in Brother Greg at all. It was Missionary Marty. And they were looking at that puppet as if he was a real person. And, 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 and I noticed that Missionary's eyes, Missionary Marty's eyes, they never, they never blinked. They never closed. And he would stare down at those kids. And they would look up. And when they left Thursday night Bible school, you know what they said? We'll see you next year, Missionary Marty. We'll see you next year. And they heard stories about missionaries from Italy, the Worthy family. And they heard stories about Jorge Santiago, the church planner in Comareo, Puerto Rico, uh, who was featured two years in a row. Why? Because one year he was featured as a spotlight missionary. And between the next year of Vacation Bible School... They were hit with a hurricane and the difficulties of that. I'm telling you, folks, there's a bunch of kids in your church that know about the Worthy family and the Santiago's who are serving the Lord. Every hand on deck. We can always do more together. And, and, and here's what I love. That, that's from preaching the gospel to emptying a trash can or opening a door. The body of Christ serving the Lord, looking at the community in which God's placed us and desiring to reach it with the gospel and to disciple the believer. How, how do you know that? Because in this passage, when they come to him, they say the place where we dwell let us go. Let every man take a beam and let us make there a place where we may dwell. Now, here's what I would love to see us grow into as a church. Okay? This is asking something here, folks. This is asking something of you right here. I would love to see us as a church, as a member of this church, come to the point where I would be willing to worship in one service and serve in the other. You say, Brother Greg, if that's true, then I, I could possibly be here from 8.30 to 12. That's correct. That's right. We don't, have a, we don't have an evening service now. We can give it all to the Lord on Sunday morning. But wouldn't that be awesome? I'm not saying everybody has to stay for the second whole worship service. What if I become a greeter? The question was asked today, when are we going to start greeting again? We're ready to start greeting again. Okay. When, are, when are we going to start singing from the hymnals? We'll, they'll be in there in the next Sunday. We, we, we decide to wait till after Bible school. I can be a greeter. I can, I can be somebody who helps. I can be somebody who walks a guest to Sunday school. I can be involved. For some of you, it might be just getting involved in Sunday school. You'll say, I, and I know there's all kinds of reasons. Let me give you some of your reasons. 
I don't like small groups. Okay? All right? Um, I don't like my teacher. That's your problem. Okay? Pray for somebody you don't like. Well, Brother Greg, we don't like you. I don't buy it because you're here. Okay? Um, I was offended. If you've been in church any time at all, you've been offended. It will happen somewhere, someday, somehow. That doesn't mean somebody doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you throw the church away. It doesn't mean that God is done with you and you're done with church. It means that someone may have said something they shouldn't have said. I can get over that, can't you? For some of you, your next step is simply just to get involved in a small group. Oh, I used to do it. For some of you, you're hanging on to your favorite teacher and your favorite church from years past. We can't go back and compete with that. Okay? I would love to see us get to the point where we worship in one service and we serve in the other. Number two, it's one thing to start something and another thing to finish it. You believe that? It's one thing to start something, it's another thing to finish it. Recently, we had uh, some work done in our house, and a carpenter came in and, and replaced all of the interior closet doors. And I think they were pine, uh, but it, it was wood and it was unfinished wood, and man, it looked great. And our desire was to paint them white to make them match everything else in the house. And I looked at that and I said, Renee, that's a piece of cake. I can handle that. Easy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a piece of humble pie is what it was. Because when I painted the first coat on those doors, it just whoosh, sucked it up. Which led to additional coats. You know what? I thought about how it is in serving God. Nothing, nothing that we do for the Lord Jesus is ever easy. Now you say, Brother Greg, wait a minute. Did he not die on the cross? He, he didn't ask us to die on the cross. Not the cross he died on. He said, he asked us, said you pick up your cross daily. And for all of us, that looks different. You deny yourself and follow me. But who said it was going to be easy? It's one thing to start something and another thing to finish a job. Now, there's a lot of people saying, what are we going to do in the fall for children's ministry? I've got all these ideas, and, and you're just the person that won't show up in the fall to help. Man, I'm telling you, it's one thing to say something, and it's another thing to say and to see it to completion and that was exactly the theme verse of vacation Bible school Philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ once we find a beam let us make a place Tony Evans says God is waiting until he sees movement God always hits a moving target. 
So you don't just sit, and we just don't sit in our pew on Sunday and sit in my office during the week and say, God, would you do it? Would you do it? Would you do it? He wants us to be involved in the mission. And I love the fact that when the Lord says go, it's never against his will, and it's never contrary to his word. So if you see somebody on television who claims to be a Christian and they're, and they're getting interviewed and God told them to do something, God told them to do something contrary to the word of God, they didn't get that word from God. We're called to go. The, the Great Commission says, as you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Go to the world. Go to your family. Um, I've always, this is all, I don't know if bother is the right word, but this has always amazed me that some people will sign up for a foreign mission trip that doesn't even share the gospel with their neighbors. So why go on a foreign mission trip? And then I discovered it myself that you come back wanting to share the gospel with your neighbors. You realize what Jesus has done. You go to your family, you go to your street, you go to your job tomorrow morning, you go to your class at school, you take the gospel to your team. I praise the Lord for that. Where to go, that's where the compassion is. Because Jesus saved me. We're to make disciples. That's where we're intentional. We're to baptize. That's where we're in submission, in obedience to his command. And we're to teach. That's where it's the devotion to God's word is to be shared with others. Now, when you continue to look at that, look at verse 3. One of the prophets says, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. He answered, I'll go. One, of the, one, at, one at the school of the prophets recognizes the importance of the presence of Elisha. Would you go with us? You know anybody in your life that just gives you spiritual stability when they're with you? Somebody you know that's a prayer warrior? Somebody you know that's not going to just blow up when something doesn't go their way? Somebody that's got a calming presence. Well, they'd seen the power of God in Elisha's ministry. And one of those was smart enough to say, would you go with us? Number three, you know what he was realizing? We need some things. We need the presence. The promise. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. You know, Marsha, when we sang uh, the first song about heaven, aren't you glad heaven doesn't get old? You know, the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. We can't even imagine how wonderful heaven is. Yesterday, Linda's family gathered together to remember a, a young life of 53 years old that had been part of mowing the church yard, not feeling good. 
One thing led to another and quickly, before long, breathed his last breath. Paul Cheney didn't wake up that morning and say, I want to die. We looked at a lot of whys in life, why in life, why in life. But the truth is, for all of us here this morning, here's the big one we have to settle in our heart. It's not understanding the whys of life. It's recognizing the who you're going to trust with your life. The one who knows it all. The one who's in charge, even though I can't understand his plan sometimes. We need his presence. We need the promise that he'll be with us. And we have to rely on his power. Because anything you and I can come up with this morning, folks, will be short-lived if it's man-produced. The Bible says in verse 4 that the work began. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And I'm telling you, sometimes in the work, there's going to be obstacles. Sometimes in the work, there are going to be unexpected circumstances, things you were not counting on that hit you head on. Well, Brother Greg, what are you talking about? I'm talking about an axe head that comes off during the work. When my papa Jackson passed away, my dad gave me his axe. Now, you might think from an axe that you look at at a home improvement store of a big, long head. But this head's very, very short. And my dad said when he gave it to me, you be reminded when you look at this axe of how many times it had to be sharpened. The years and the sharpening wore it away. Charles Spurgeon has a quote, something about a whetstone that's used for sharpening. He says, though the whetstone itself cannot cut, think about the many blades that it sharpens. Elisha, in this picture, I believe gives us a picture of the value of a tool. What are the tools we have? The Holy Spirit of God. And I want to remind all of us old Baptists in this place today, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. God in you. Prayer. At the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. God's Word. Now, folks, I'm here to tell you, anybody who says that the gospel is outdated, Christianity is a thing of the past, that churches are irrelevant, I just want to ask you, uh, how's it looking in America for that kind of mentality? We need the very thing that we've walked away from. And what's the old song say? Give me the old-time religion. If it was good enough for mom and dad, good enough for me. But yet we think we've got to dress it up. I mean, uh, these folks show pigs at the Preble County Fair and get them all clean and put a bow on them. A pig's a pig. Right? The first mud hole it sees, it will go back to. God knows what we need. He knows the value of a tool. Number four, God knows what we need to do the job. 
Now listen to me. It's been said that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So you don't have all this stuff that's so wonderful and God is blessed to have you on his team. God calls you and says, use those gifts for my glory. That's the good news. Now, God knows what it takes and what, what we need and what it takes to do the job. Now, the axe was a helpful tool here. They're building, but the handle by itself wasn't getting the job done. I thought yesterday, late afternoon, man, there's some things I've got to get done before I take this trip. I've got to plow. I've got to get my garden plowed. This looks awful. Well, little did I know, no one told me that, that cicadas not only love the sound of a mower, they love the sound of a tiller. And man, they were just flocking. But I sure did feel good when I finished and looked at that and said, you know what, there are less weeds than there used to be. You know what we do in life? We see a weed, a spiritual weed, and we just walk around it like it's not even there. Hey, if you walk on the property of this church and you see a weed sticking up, why don't you stop and pull it? Huh? Oh, that's your, that's your job, brother Greg. I, I, I pull plenty of weeds. Oh, that's a deacon's job. They're servant. They pull plenty of weeds. That's the person who takes care of the yard's job. They do a good job. Are you with me? Address it. God knows what we need to do the job. He knows what it will take. The skeptic says, iron can't float. Faith says, God knows right where it's at. Throw the stick in. Throw the stick in. Don't you love this part? So the man of God in verse 6 says, where did it fall? Can't you imagine? I think it fell somewhere in here. Several years ago, we were fishing at Lockengren, and a fisherman that I love dropped his glasses in the water. It, 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 and, and you all well know that prescription glasses aren't $69 on television special lens and all that, you know, you know what kind of expense I'm talking about. So this was back when the Oberschlakes were, were here, and we found out that Brian Oberschlake was a scuba diver. And he volunteered. I'll find those glasses. It took him 30 minutes to rig up his whole outfit. They went to the area. The person that lost them, they said about right here, he got in the water and within seconds retrieved those glasses. Folks, I'm telling you, the picture we have in, in the Bible right here, it's not about somebody looking underwater and knowing where everything's at. It's, it's about somebody looking from the foundation of the world and knowing where everything's at. I love this. God knows where the axe head is. Throw the stick in. Now, I want to wrap it up with this. This morning, do you feel like you've lost your joy, your heart, your excitement, your hope? This morning, do you feel like you've lost your faith a little bit? What do you do? I believe you go right back to the place where you left it. 
and God will do the rest if you're willing to go that far. You know what, God? I was hurt in church. That's, that's when it all changed. I, I was disappointed in, in the preacher. I was disappointed in the church. Somebody let me down when I had a loss. Man, I'm telling you, we all can go back to a place. I mean, we can go back to a place when we were saved, can we not? Remember David's message, the spot? I'm talking about as a Christian when you feel like you've lost your joy. And you throw in a worthless stick. God says, give me what you've got. It's not much, Lord. Give me what you've got. Throws the worthless stick in. Iron floats. There it is. And the Bible says when that took place, verse 7, he said, pick it up for yourself. Faith is something you have to experience yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. He showed Elisha. He didn't hesitate. He listened to his command and be reminded that in Scripture, this was not the first time something like this had happened. In Exodus chapter 15, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of bondage toward the promised land. Three days out on the journey, they don't have water, and they begin to say, we would rather have died as slaves in Egypt than to be free going to the promised land without water. Remember the instruction of, of God to Moses? Take, it, take this tree and throw it into the water. And the bitter water became drinkable. Do you all remember that? I love that story, and I'll tell you why I love that story. Because God took the bitter cup of our sin and he used a tree called Calvary that he would die on so that we could be forgiven and we could be saved. He made the iron float. Number five, faith is trusting. Faith is believing. Faith is acting on it yourself. The, the Hebrew writer says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the miracle of the axe head really, listen at this, is a bigger picture. Some have called this miracle a miracle of compassion for one of the sons of the prophets who lost the axe head. Remember, it's not mine, it's borrowed. Have you ever, have you ever damaged or broken something somebody's let you use? My neighbor Mac once let me drive his gator up the lane to dump some brush. He said, you'll see the brush pile, follow the tracks. When I got up there, I followed the wrong tracks that ultimately pinned me against a barbed wire fence in a gator that did not belong to me. As I backed away from it, I could just, I can still hear it. I got free of it, got out of it, looked. I had scratched the side of the windshield. I drove back down the lane from our house. It was the longest drive of my life. 
it was very similar to the feeling I had the night I backed into our evangelist in our driveway. And when I said, Mac, man, alive, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll replace whatever I've damaged. And just the way he responded made it better. He didn't say, well, I told you preachers weren't smart. He didn't say, you city slickers out here in the country don't know how to do a thing. He said, oh, Greg, this thing's got scratches all over it. Folks, listen. This is a ministry of compassion. Naaman's miracle was a ministry of compassion. And now Elisha does it again. This is not just about the miracle of iron floating. This is a miracle of meeting needs and showing you that God knows right where your issue is. I love the fact that God knows us. You and I have been partakers of a miracle of compassion as Christians by receiving Jesus as our Savior, have we not? God's grace. He drank from the bitter cup on our behalf. He did something for us that ultimately we would have had to have done on our own. But he realized we could never do that. So he died so that we could be forgiven. This week in Bible school, we build on foundations. And ultimately, as we talked about last Sunday, it's the foundation of love, the love of God. I want everybody to stand, and before you bow your heads, I want you to look at me. Everybody stand. And I want you to be reminded in right field and right center and left center and left that God loves you. That God loves you, and he knows just what you need. Every head bowed, every eye closed.